having your humanity recognized and respected is a fundamental right of human existence. While some people, like me, have never faced um, what it's like to be denied access to safety, to education, to love, to healthcare, to justice, employment, or any other such thing, purely because of how I was born and the luck of where I was born and the society, the part of the society that I was born into, like that's just me and people who kind of look like me. But sadly, that's not the case. That's not the case for everybody in our country. We like to think it is and we like to say that it is, but it isn't. If you're anything other than white, male, heteronormative and middle class, society gets increasingly more difficult to exist in the further away from that that you get, all the way to extraordinarily dangerous and even deadly. Yet every person who is in that position, not my position, away from this place, they are a human. They are a human who deserves as much dignity and respect as any other human. Born out of a fight for that kind of respect and that kind of dignity, in 1978, the first ever Sydney Mardi Gras happened. They marched for the very first time. Now, while a lot has changed since then, so much, unfortunately, has become quite a bit worse. This week, my guest is the CEO of the Sydney Mardi Gras, Albert Kruger. Uh, it's a fantastic conversation. And in this conversation, you are going to discover that Mardi Gras is so much more than hot pants and Taylor Square and Kylie Minogue and Kesha songs. It's a party, yes, but it's a party with a purpose, a very important purpose, a purpose of solidarity and safety and fierce, unflinching advocacy outside of the parade, outside of the march, and advocacy for equality within our society on behalf of all the people who identify with the colours of the rainbow that Mardi Gras represents. It's a fantastic chat, and I can't wait for you to hear it. But first, I have to play some commercials. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I can feel in the community that the, um, the word mainstreaming is being used very loosely in the sense that, wow, what an achievement. It's amazing. The prime minister is marching at Mardi Gras parade. For the first time in history, a prime minister is marching um, at an LGBTQIA event. And so it feels like the, the, the battle has been won. Equality has been reached, you know. Um, and the sad thing is it's, it hasn't. We, I mean, we also get asked the question, why is Mardi Gras still relevant? Is it just not, is it not just all about parties? And you think to yourself, well, if you have a look at what Alex Greenwich is doing right now, is putting a bill to Parliament to ban conversion therapy, which is still alive and well here in New South Wales. You know, and until our community has reached equality, which it hasn't, Mardi Gras will remain relevant. That was Mardi Gras CEO Albert Kruger. This is Osher Ginsburg, Better Than Yesterday. G'day, welcome to Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osher Ginsberg. Thank you so much for being here. This is a show that's here to make your day today better than yesterday. Something that you hear on this show today will make your day today better than yesterday. That is the guarantee that we have on the box. We've been here since 2013, Mondays and Wednesdays. I've got guests here. Fridays, I'm here with you. Lately, Fridays, I've been playing you what's been happening on our live shows, which are a shit ton of fun. I'll tell you more about that in a second. Uh, I'm Osher Ginsberg. I'm a podcaster. I'm a TV host. I'm a... I guess now I'm a, a, a live comedy news satirist. Uh, that's what's happening. Uh, what else do I do? I ride bicycles to pick up my son from daycare. Uh, I occasionally weed things out of my driveway. Look, there's a lot of things that I do, and this podcast is one of them, and I adore doing it. You can find me on Instagram, and you can join our mailing list at the link in the show notes. So, look, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. However you got here, I really, really, really appreciate it. And a massive thank you to everybody that came along to the show on Friday night. It was super duper fun. In fact, the show on the 17th at the Factory Theatre, that is no longer our last show in Sydney. Uh, the promoters asked us to do three more shows. Like not one extra show, not two, three. It's the artwork that says, by popular demand, you know, more shows added. So we sold out on Friday night fucking amazing and we have got three more shows uh, they're not this weekend thankfully uh, which i'll talk about in a second we are march the 3rd march the 10th march the 17th then we hit melbourne from the 30th and then we're back in sydney for the sydney comedy festival uh, the tickets uh, aren't on sale for that yet but this is incredible like i'm not gonna lie the second show i think for the debut show in january we had we sold 24 tickets or something before the show opened i was like holy fuck what am i doing i was terrified the next week was at six 
Jesus, the room's 150 people. And we sold out on Friday, four weeks after starting. That's a monster. And it's just getting bigger and more fun and more amazing. And it's the best. Jump on the mailing list if you want to know more about it. The, the show notes are there in the app that you're listening to this on. Just click on the mailing list icon and um, put your email in there and um, I'll keep you up to date as we go around. And have a listen to Friday's show if you want to get a vibe as to what's going on. Uh, Friday's show gives you a, a pretty good idea. But we aren't the only show in town and thankfully we're not on this weekend because let me tell you, Sydney is absolutely pumping and there's way more things going on. And that's because of my guest today. My guest today is Albert Kruger, who is the CEO of the Mardi Gras here in Sydney. Mardi Gras is part of the Greater Sydney World Pride event that is in full swing. 78,000 people have come from overseas to be a part of it. Like 500,000 people are expected to attend, you know, events, concerts, a human rights conference, uh, sports events, arts programs. It's the first World Pride ever held in the Southern Hemisphere. It's a pretty big deal. It's easily the biggest event that Sydney's hosted since the 2000 Olympics, which is, if, if you were anywhere near Sydney, it was pretty freaking big. So it's it's right up there and it, 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 it shows. So I'm glad I'm not on this weekend. There's 300 free and ticketed events. It is also the 45th anniversary of the very first Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras happening in 1978. Now, Albert is a truly fascinating guy. His story of how and why he moved to Australia is beautiful, and I can't wait for you to hear it. And he's got an incredible way of talking about not only how far we've come, but also how, also where, I guess, where we can go to from here. An apology from me straight up. Straight up. Uh, on the day that I recorded this, this microphone that I'm speaking into now wasn't working properly. That was an error on my behalf. And the other microphone that was a backup microphone was the one that captured my voice. So I sound pretty echoey and I'm not on mic. So I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not right up in your ear like I am here. Apologies. But the words I say are still good, I promise. And Albert's fantastic. So apologies for the audio. And thank you very much to Andy, my extraordinary producer, who did his best to fix everything. So enough of my chatting. This is Albert Kruger, and he's the CEO of Mardi Gras. Have a bit of a drink. There you go. Just have a drink. It's all here. I've uh, literally <laughs> just had a Red Bull. <laughs> oh, man, I had to stop doing that. Uh, uh, you're a braver man than I, mate. Everyone's asking me how am I going to make through 24 events in 17 days, and my reply is thank God Red Bull is a sponsor. <laughs> uh, well, look, that's one way to do it, Albert. <laughs> uh, however, you know, we're like with any stimulant, you really are borrowing uh, you're not really getting, <laughs> you're, you're borrowing from your future. I'll pay, you it, I'll pay it forward. <laughs> yeah, man. Like when I first moved to Sydney in 99, I remember the people I, I worked in cable television. There was a bunch of people that I worked with in broadcast who were involved in the Mardi Gras mm. and they all had similar schedules to the one you were describing. Mm. And they said, oh, and then I'm going to double Island point for a week. Yeah. Or there was a place up in Cairns they would go to Trinity Beach or something and they'd just go for a week yeah. and just lie around. And just like just just make it to that. Just yeah. <laughs> make it make it to there. You are you're the you're the CEO I am. of of Mardi Gras. That's a that's a big gig. Especially in the World Pride year, you can imagine. It's uh four times the size of a normal Mardi Gras. <laughs> So it's it literally it's it's the Mardi Olympics, isn't it? Yeah, I mean they they're saying that it's it's as big as the 2000 Olympics would be, 
we're waiting on data to see what um, the international and intra and interstate numbers are looking like, but it's pretty big, man. That's it's an extraordinary organization to be a part of. As, as I mentioned, I w- when I first moved to Sydney, I was I was you know very grateful to be included and involved and you know be a part of uh, the the scene. And and I had the extraordinary privilege of marching in the year two thousand. But I do recall there were struggles inside the organization, mm. and it, it seemed to be a, a difficult thing to keep together. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if you had an idea about that before you took the gig. Uh, the the board actually tried to um, prepare me for it because uh, I, as you can hear, don't come from Australia originally. I'm, I'm, I was only in the in the country for three or four years. <laughs> don't worry, Albert. I'm an immigrant too, but I'm white, so no one cares. It's fine. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. So um, they've tried to prepare me, but I don't think they really did prepare me well enough for it, to be fair. But, you know. It is, it is very difficult when you're dealing with an organization that their job is to represent those who don't feel represented. Mm. Yet in, inside that larger group, there are people who Factual. feel less represented. Mm. Yeah, people who see feel less represented, and rightly so. Yeah, uh, and the it, 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 you know, how close do you want to look to it? You know, it's it, it's it's it must be a challenge to make to to manage that. It is. It's a full time job. Everyone always asks me, so what's your day job? <laughs> I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is what I've been doing for the last three years of my life. Um, I can see I've become a lot more gray over the over the years. <laughs> I just went blonde. I'm like, if I'm going to go gray, it's going to happen as I want it. So I just went platinum. I'm like, and that's it. I've got Andy, gone Andy Warhol. When it. when you are when you are approaching a challenge like that, and for people who uh, maybe you know uh, this is the first time they're considering what it is, there's essentially you know if you think about like a, a cohort of non-heteronormative people mm-hmm. and within that in that cohort there are people who identify as as men mm-hmm. and identify as gay mm-hmm. and there's people who identify as women mm-hmm. and identify as gay mm-hmm. and then there's whether they were born with penises or vaginas mm-hmm. it doesn't matter mm-hmm. and within that there's you know it's just a, a googleplex of numbers disappearing into infinity of and i you know and, and Every one of these people has the right to be mm-hmm. uh, and want to be seen and heard. Yep. So how how do you approach how do you approach people of such a diverse need group uh, and trying to make as many people as possible feel seen and heard and that they matter in the organisation of this extraordinarily important event? Yeah, the key aspect that we always come back to in the first instance is community consultation and taking the time to listen and you know really consult. And go out in and amongst the community and really, you know, quietly listen to what everybody has to say. Because as you say, there's so many voices that you need to try and distill key messages from the expectation. I think that's the, that's the biggest thing for us is, you know, we arrange 12 official Mardi Gras events, but then there are, in this year, 428 events in the Sydney World Pride footprint, right? So the ethos is that you have to then go right you have the more marginalized voices that we want to you know platform and profile a little bit more and then you know we have priorities of the festival that we we stick to and adhere to for example first nations or intersectionality or transgender diverse or um, we're seeing a lot in um, bisexual community coming up more so than ever before 
Um, and so we have to apply, you know, certain priorities across the festival and the programming and who we want to actually give the opportunity to, to do that. And of course, the parade is a great example as to where we, we would apply that. And then, of course, whoever's performing, um, you know, so people can see people like themselves platform and profile throughout the festival. But it, it is hard. It's hard because you can't be everything to everyone. So you need to be good at something and focused on that because I've always said that if you are trying to be something to everyone, you're nothing to nobody. So, um, yeah, and every year we just refine, 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 refine. Look, I, I can only – I'm not trying to draw any any – any kind of parallel or whatever, but what you're talking about and what I observed being around the, particularly the 2000 Mardi Gras was letting perfect be the enemy of good. Mm. Uh, You know, like, yes, it would be amazing. It would be the best if we could do all that. Mm. And yet that just, we just can't. Yeah. Uh, And it doesn't mean anything you know, it's very, it's very, very hard because you are often dealing with with uh, people, often young people who have very little or no, unfortunately, family support, mm. and you know, trying to find this place of belonging that's, in this. Yeah, that's the ex- biggest concern. That's the biggest thing. And if you think about who Mardi Gras is really looking after, yeah, it's yeah. from eight to eighty-eight year olds, right? So it's such a wide variety. And then on top of that, you have a 45 year now, 45 year Mm. legacy and history and expectation and community ownership of, of the event. We just have to be super sensitive, um, you know, stick to what we think we do well, um, apply all the feedback where we can and involve um, as many community groups and committees across the whole festival so that we're we're not just moving unilaterally towards what we think should work well it's based on you know survey results or consulting or you know having those discussions but make no mistake it it changes from month to month yeah you know so when we're planning a 23 season we started that two and a half years ago you know oh yeah, as a, a buddy of mine uh, worked on the early planning phases of World Pride, and um, he he had an office in uh, in Oxford Street, I think, where you were before. And yeah, he was telling me about the the size of it and what was on the way. Yeah. And he's on he's moved on to another gig, but he was in the early part of it. I, w- I wanted to ask you: There's a somebody quite close to me uh, who marched every single year yeah. in the, the parade as a part of P Flag. Yeah. And I asked her, her parents, friends, uh, lesbians, and gay, uh, but it was all about. Um, kids mm-hmm. and brothers and sisters of, uh, of uh, teens and young people who identified. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, so are you going to Mardi Gras? She goes, well, not, not, we don't really march anymore. And her folks were, you know, quite instrumental in, in P-Flag. And I said, why is that? Well, she goes, well, there's less of a need for it. And I felt, like, A, a bit sad because I know, mm. you know, I might not be getting this 100% correct, like, you know, and this is particularly to this person's experience. Mm. I felt a bit sad, like, oh, that's a bummer. You don't get to go. But also... Isn't that great? <laughs> so that's the one of the biggest um, trends we're finding, particularly this year, being that it's World Pride. And, you know, I mean, in a normal Mardi, Mardi Gras year, um, we get a lot of media attention and, you know, interviews, etc. But particularly this year, I can feel in the community that the, um, the word mainstreaming is being used very loosely 
in the sense that, wow, what an achievement. It's amazing. The prime minister is marching at Mardi Gras Parade. For the first time in history, a prime minister is marching um, at an LGBTQIA event. And so it feels like the, the, the battle has been won. Equality has been reached, you know. Um, and the sad thing is it's, it hasn't. There's just so much the office to be now. done. I don't know if you realised. Close the office. There's no need yeah. for it. It's like, Shut down, fair day. It's over. This Never is, mind. This, Go home. We're done. This is Mission accomplished. Exactly the concern. You know, we... Um, we, I mean, we also get asked the question, why is Mardi Gras still relevant? Is it just not, yeah. is it not just all about parties? And you think to yourself, well, if you have a look at what Alex Greenwich is doing right now, is putting a bill to parliament to ban conversion therapy, which is still alive and well here in New South Wales. You know, and until our community has reached equality, which it hasn't, Mardi Gras yeah. will remain relevant. It will be, remain the social justice organization that will rally the troops to write letters to the MPs to support, you know, these horrific outdated laws which need updating badly. It's one of the great things I hold proud about my country, which I love so much, that we all nodded our heads and went, oh, no, absolutely. Well, a vast majority of us went, oh, no, marriage equality. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing that we all think is a good idea. Mm. And, you know, you've got to look at the society like a bell curve and 64, I think, percent is a pretty amazing number in a democracy mm. when elections are won at 40, yeah. 50, 50.02, yeah, you know. Yeah. 64 is huge. And there's always going to be people on either end. And like at our core, at our heart, that's the kind of people that we are. Mm. And yet what that means, sometimes it might mean sometimes that the people who were on those edges run further mm. uh, to try to be distance themselves further. And so things like conversion therapy is it's something out of a, you know, it's like Shutter Island, you know. It's like some sort of Scorsese film yeah. where Leonardo DiCaprio's on a ferry, yeah. you know, in a storm trying to find this place with it's all dark yeah. and there's lightning. Uh, what, like, what does it even, ex- how, what is it? Does it, who practices it? And are they doctors? Is it covered by Medicare? What are we mm. talking about? Yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, if you take into consideration, it is more broadly um, exercised by religious groups. Um, we affectionately call it "pray the gay away," and we've—I've come across a few survivors of conversion therapy. And let me tell you, the damage that it has caused is irreparable. And it's not only um, to the person, but also to uh, someone that's in a relationship with um, a survivor of conversion therapy, because you're constantly battling those internalized, you know, um, issues, the, the religious aspect of it, God doesn't love me because I'm gay, or I didn't love him enough because I'm still gay. Uh, you know, it's, it, it causes so much harm. And then of course, yes, it's, there are doctors and psychologists that still practice this. And then of course, there's the whole celibacy thing that goes across it as well. And so that's, that's the concern and the bill that Alex is, you know, presenting to um to the parliament is exactly that it should be punishable and if you take into consideration it's been taken off the roster in queensland act and victoria new south wales is the next cab off the rank we need to step up my goodness me and i just when i look at it from the other side as a you know you don't have to be a parent to think this way but i could watch a movie before i became a parent and be like yeah whatever mm. and now i'll watch an ad with a kid that's hurt and i'm like ah, exactly. somebody help the child the highly paid <laughs> child actor who's actually fine 
to think about what is the parent going through? Mm. What trauma is the parent dealing with to go, yep, that's great. That's a good idea. You should, little Jenny or little Colin, off your pop, and you go see that person there and we're going to fix this because you're broken. Look, like what's happening for them? 80% of the, the um, kids that go to conversion therapy is on the premise of the parents sending them. You know, this is the concern. It's, a, it's religious parents thinking that the kids are broken. And so they seek the help of religious leaders or psychologists to try and fix the kids. So, because in many instances, these are young people, very young people. We're talking about between 14 and 18 years old. Um, and I have seen instances where people in their 20s, 23, 24, 25, where people, parents have taken their phone away so they can't access Grindr or speak to guys, you know, on their phone and they're locked away in their houses, you know, totally separated from their community. There are instances where people do it to themselves, which is rare. Um, and they do it mostly to please family members due to religious reasons. And we see this across, you know, Muslims, we see this across Christianity, we see it across. So, you know, so religion is unfortunately, you know, the bigger reason why this happens because it's, you know, the Bible says it's not normal. So, Yeah, the Bible says it's also fine to keep mm. slaves. And there's all kinds of wild shit in there that we, you know, we don't get held to. Or, or eat pork. <laughs> Like the cloven hoof, like, yeah, I don't need it, but I'm married to someone, I guess, who's going to hell in a big way Mm -hmm. because her and bacon, like, it's all like (laughs) inseparable. (laughs) Mate, she's a a one woman war against pork. Like, and, and I just, how much, how much pain that must cause a parent Mm. to feel this belief that this. If my child is, I mean, we're getting into the nuts and bolts and the ridiculous arguments about it all, mm. but just to say it out loud, like I'm told that I'm born in the image of God mm. and my child is, is, is born in the image of God, mm. therefore, oh, hang on, except not that. Yeah. So, like f- make up your mind. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an outrageous um, train of thought. And, you know, a lot of the time I always say to people, look, if I could have decided to be straight, I would have because it would have been much easier. My life would have been so much easier. You know, I I didn't choose who I fall in love with or what I find attractive. And if I could choose, I most probably would have taken the path of least resistance and just gotten on with my life, been married and had three kids by now, you know? And so I think that's that's the the, the key aspect here is that, you know, Lady Gaga said it so well. We're all born this way. And honestly, I'm old. I'm nearly 50 now, so I've seen plenty of friends um, you know, have children and, you know, you're around, you, you're, uh, you know, I've been with friends when they've met their now wives, mm, right. Mm. And have known them the whole time through pregnancy, through da, da, da. Mm. And like, come on, once you know what you're looking at, you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing, mm. you know, and, and it's fine. And it's, that's how you are. Like there's no influence. There's nothing at all that has shown upon that child except this is just who they are yeah and there's a there's a buddy of mine who i adore and when he and i were like seeing each other all the time his sons were i i think i don't know nine and eleven mm-hmm. and i've been away to america and i came back to australia and i said how are the boys he goes oh i haven't told you 
I said, what do you mean? He goes, I have one daughter and one son. Oh, <laughs> so we had it, you know, we had the conversation and he just straight up said to me, he said, look, you know, she came to me and she told me what was going on. And I took one look at the stats of risk of self-harm mm. or, you know, dying by self-harm. Yeah. And I'm like, I'd rather have an alive child than anything else. So Alive and happy child. Alive, exactly. Alive yeah. and happy and yeah. let's go. Off yeah. and away they went. And for me, like just seeing how quickly he was able to pivot and go, all right, okay, this is this is more, you know, I'm not making this mean anything about me or my fatherhood skills or anything yeah. or my masculinity. It's like I can see what's going on for you mm. and I'd rather do everything I can to keep you alive yeah. and safe and happy. Well, I was just at an event yesterday with one of our partners and one of the leads of their pride group, a lady was saying that, she, before she had kids, she thought that she was a great ally and she knew what the community was about and she'd watch Mardi Gras on TV and, you know, maybe even go as far as standing on the sidelines of Oxford Street watching the parade. And she thought that she knew what was going on until her son came out as being, you know, transgender. And she said that the amount that her, this kid has taught her about being an ally and understanding mm -hmm. And, you know, the strifes and struggles that they go through just to find their true selves, you know, and that this is it because, you know, our community can't exist without allies. You very, very eloquently said that, you know, 64% voted yes. How much of that percentage was allies going, yeah, you know what, equality is something that everybody should have, right? And so that's, again, one of the other things that Mardi Gras is great at is bringing allies and community together in a safe space to really celebrate who we are, to be free of people judging us and, you know, um, having an opinion um, about it and rather just accepting us for who we are. Because we, you know, just in COVID, we saw in our community suicide rates went up 200%. Okay. You know? Uh, and it's because they're isolated, regional, rural areas surrounded by religious family and friends yeah. that don't, yeah. they can't be themselves, you know, um, and they can't connect with their chosen family and people who really understand them. And then they don't see any way out. I mean, they were isolated. And that's also one of the reasons why Mardi Gras pushed so hard to push through the COVID and have the SCG parade in 21 and 22. And we were the only pride organization in the world that carried on in person through the pandemic, you know, yeah. to give that little four-hour reprieve of being able to just connect with our family. Honestly, watching it at home was, you know, we weren't allowed to leave. It was amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy. I was so happy to watch it and so happy to see and, and like, for, as a television person and knowing some of the people involved and knowing mm. people in, in the production, uh, like in incredible that you pulled it off with such a short amount of time to prepare. Like that is mm. a big fucking broadcast, man. Yeah, and that, that was hard, huge. hard to do at such a short turnaround. And what was beautiful about it, and particularly the, the director that I'm, you know, I, I know of, uh, just how just perfectly captured the joy that I experienced when I was at Mardi Gras. Yeah. It was just, it was marvelous because you don't really see the close-ups of the faces of the people enjoying it mm. too much when it's the the parade with the shots from taylor Correct. square 
you, you rarely see the crowd because it's mm. just a steaming throng, just mass. It's not these single humans, tight shots in their faces, just elated. Yep. And, and it we, was and we changed broadcasters from one year to the other, from SBS to oh, ABC yeah. as well. You know, oh, yeah, I mean, that, obviously yeah. we made us lives a little bit difficult. Um, yeah, but, there was. That. You know, it, it, you're absolutely right in saying that it was. I remember when we when we were planning the SCG, one of the media outlets were threatening to, you know, leak the story, and we were like, okay, now run to the SCG. You've got an hour. Door stop. Media door stop. Now launch. Go. You know, and it was. Um, we were met with a lot of resistance. You're going to curse cricket for, I don't know if you understand, but now the Sydney Swans will lose every game ever <laughs> because there's never been a gay Sydney Swans player. Oh. Fuck off. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was actually laughing about that. I was thinking to myself, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hear about it later. <laughs> oh, but, and, and that's the and that's the hilarious thing, though, isn't it, Albert? Like this this idea, this false idea of, oh, no, it's only it's only them over there. Yeah. It's only them over there. It's not not those blokes over here. Yeah, but yeah. you just simply look at the stats. You look at the yeah. cohort, the percentage yeah. of the population. It's like when I think about you know whenever I do a talk about mental health, I'm lucky enough to sometimes do it in a room of two, three hundred people. Mm. And if I say one in five people are affected by complex mental illness, mm. if I'm in a room of hundred people, that's forty people in mm. this room. Mm. It's all around you, mm. and it's the same. You may not know about it because that person may not feel safe telling you. Yeah, but let me tell you. It's you there. are surrounded by fantastic people. Like it's, <laughs> it's fabulous in every corner. Well, look, I'm, I must say, I think the, um, the the groundskeeper at the SCG is very happy that Mardi Gras is not taking place at the SCG this year because I literally saw him on his hands and knees with a tweezer picking out the glitter from the grass <laughs> after we'd left. So, oh, <laughs> it, glitter, that is ex- glitter. It really is. It is like herpes. It just, fuck me. It just, <laughs> Keeps going, and, and in fact, you know, you know, we joke, but I still have, I've still got my Mardi Gras coleslaw, uh, coleslaw <laughs> that shows up here when I've been. Uh, no, it's there, it's that one there, because uh, they, it's the infection site, and uh, like you know, I, I had a great Mardi Gras, and I had, I had some pretty good patches, and it's one particular big bloke with a cowboy hat, and um, so every time I'm really run down, I'm like, oh, thanks, big guy in a cowboy. <laughs> It was the first time I kissed a man with a mustache. I was like, now I know how my wife feels. Love it. I did have to trim it for her the other day because she was like, you've got to fuck stop. Just trim it back because I can't bear the walrusness of it. But that's my little little Mardi Gras memory of it. Every time I get really run down. And that's, I mean, you know, this is exactly it. I mean, the funniest thing about this organization and specifically the parade and the after party Everybody has mostly got a Mardi Gras story. And, you know, oh. it's such a memorable one. I remember my first Mardi Gras 13 years ago. I came as a bright-eyed and bushy-tailed tourist from South Africa Perfect. and stood on the sidelines in the Bobby Goldsmith stand when it still existed. And I was emotionally moved by this massive community. I couldn't believe the police are marching and the, the defense yeah. force. Oh, my God. You know? yeah. And I was like, I want to live in Australia because this community is accepting and everybody can just be who they are. And that's when I decided to move to Australia was because of Mardi Gras. I, I had the pleasure of hosting a Bobby Goldsmith stand one year in 2002. And I just it, – it, it was – hard and amazing at the same time because mm. I, I, you know, I was doing the job and, you know, I, I learned all about what it was there for. And to know that in my life, in my lifetime, 
the Sacred Heart Hospice there on Darlinghurst Road, just uh, at Oxford Street. I think it's like a 40-bed mm. or 24-bed hospice. Yep. Sometime in the early 80s, there was like 100 and something people literally dying in the hallways mm. and no one gave a shit. Just yeah. just young kids whose parents had just disowned them. Like you're dying of, you know, gay cancer. And that we allowed it to happen. Mm. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. Uh, it's so funny because, you know, if you think about it this way, in the 80s when we were running through that pandemic, I'm not sure if you know, but in the RHI, which is now the Swan's head office, you know, they actually took the ashes from those that had fallen from HIV and threw, strewed them on the dance floor and they danced on their ashes in the RHI. A little bit of history for you there. The significance of that space is ridiculous. And now it's our. Hang on, who who took the ashes? The friends, the survivors would take the the friends' ashes and dance on their ashes. At Mardi Gras, Mm -hmm. as a way, as a way, as as a wake. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Like that's like the Irish thing of putting the body on the bar. Mm. uh, I mean, that's that's up there. (laughs) But to go, okay, you didn't want to miss Mardi Gras, and here we are. Here we go. Last dance. That is, oh my God, mm. Alvin. That. Yeah, it's the history. The history of this organization is steeped so deeply in this community. Uh, you know, I mean, the amount of messages I receive from old Mardi Gras employees or board members or volunteers, it's, you know, it's, it's anchored into the history mm. of this, of this um, city and this community. And it's wonderful, you know. I mean, nowhere else... Um, would you get this, you know, absolute loyalty? And you yeah. talk about someone who hasn't even experienced it yet. The first, their first Mardi Gras experience, it blows people's minds. Like they're just like, whoa, what is this? You know, so that's, that's what keeps us all going. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's extraordinary as a, as a cultural event. And, you know, it'd be great if we didn't need it, but <laughs> it is, it's the meaning behind the party and the meaning behind yeah. the event. Yeah. That is what it's there for. And if you don't believe that we absolutely need it, you only have to look at the last election campaign when children yeah. were being thrown under the bus for votes. Religious discrimination, trans and gender diverse. I mean, it's it carries on and on and on for days, right? And we always say Mardi Gras is a party for purpose. You know, yes, we, we have amazing parties. But, for example, this year we have the biggest human rights conference for 1,500 people, three days at the ICC talking about what exactly we're facing as a community and how are we going to get or put pressure on our local government and federal government to, you know, really get to a point where we have equality. That's simple. This is a, it's a terrifying issue. I was in, um, I was in America when during the, I lived in America about 10 years Mm -hmm. during the Obama administration where they, passed, um, I think it was Prop 8, mm. where they made um, uh, marriage equality, when they made same-sex marriage um, legal. And yet my my brother and his husband, they live in Detroit now, and the when the Roe versus Wade got overturned, mm. uh, people may not know that. Uh, that's the, um, the the thing that allows women in America right to um, have an abortion. abortion. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll get to decide what happens with my own body. Yes, please. No, apparently not. Yeah. The challenge of that constitution, which led it to be overturned, the same part of that constitution was used, the privacy part of that constitution was, was used for the um, 
Proposition Eight, and so it's 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 a matter of fucking time mm. in America, and so. Unfortunately, Australia tends to follow the lead of either America or the UK mm-hmm. pretty quickly. So to underpin that stuff and galvanise it and make sure it cannot be reversed is so important for us as a country. Yeah. And we have to be vigilant. We can't be relaxed yeah. about it. Yeah, totally. Especially when like, when young kids are being used as, as, as posters, like literally posters being driven around the northern beaches. And what I always wonder to myself is when – these political parties do what they do. They actually just stop for a minute and wonder what harm am I actually causing by doing this? We've, we've seen it time and time and time again. And that's why, you know, if you just take, for example, birth certificate reform, surrogacy, like it, it, the list goes on and on and on and on. But, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that, I mean, I, I, it was quite funny because um, when Anthony Albanese announced this weekend that he's marching, you know, that's record-breaking. It's never been done before. And if you think about it, in 1978, when it was the first one, no politician would be wanting to be seen dead anywhere near this event, whereas now the prime minister's marching, you know. So um, we're getting there, right? And it takes slowly yeah. but surely. Slowly wins the race. So slow and steady wins the race, as they say. But it's just, it's like I always say, with even with partners, you know, corporate partners, it's like you're partnering with Mardi Gras not because you want to put a rainbow on your logo you're doing it because it's the right thing to do and you're yeah. doing it because you want to be with the community outside of season when these difficult conversations come up because we have seen that when corporates throw their weight behind you know a really good change to the constitution it actually happens we saw that with the plebiscite marriage equality how many corporates stood up and said we vote yes you know and that's the thing is we just need to carry on slowly but surely chipping away at it and getting to a point where we can truly say, hey, we're all the same. Just a moment away from Albert to say that the shows are on, the shows that were happening, NTNN, NNN, Real Stories, Fake News. We've got more shows added. So amazing. I got on the phone with uh, Tom from the promoter, a century, and um, fuck, unbelievable, dude, to have um, him say, look, it's going great. Let's get more shows in there. Let's make it happen. So the 3rd of March, 10th of March, 17th of March, all in Sydney at the Factory Theatre. We then go to Melbourne at the Malt House Theatre from the 30th. He even said, look, I want you to be at the Sydney Comedy Festival. So we are starting at the Sydney Comedy Festival. They're later shows and uh, they're at the Manning Bar at the University of Sydney. And I can't, I think it's University of Sydney. Or New South Wales. No, Sydney, that's the one in there. Going to be amazing. All the tickets that are on sale. You can find them in the link in the show notes. You can also find the mailing list there. So jump on that. Sign up to the mailing list. Because I'm honestly, I'm, you hear me talk about it all the time. I have such a trying to get in touch and stay in touch with people through Meta or Facebook just sucks, man. If you get on the mailing list with me, then it's just you and me, and then we can go from there. And I'm, please, be so much easier, please. <laughs> we'll be back with Albert Kruger after these ads. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm 49 in, a, in a six weeks. Are, mm-hmm. you, are you much younger than me? Uh, I turned 40 like 10 in years December. Younger than me? I'm 40 in December. Right. So you were a child in 94. You were a child when uh, the ANC yep. uh, took power and, a, and, right. a, and apartheid yes. ended. You were there for what could have been. I mean, I'm sure it's, I've been to South Africa a bunch of times. Mm, mm. It, it could, it could, it's not amazing. But it could have been a fucking bloodbath, but it, it as a country, yeah. held it together and yeah. held it together by having a good, long, hard look at themselves. Mm. And the truth and reconciliation stuff that happened around that allowed, as a country, allowed allowed the nation to move yes. at least move away from what it was. Yeah, that was that was such a trying time because you know my earliest memories is of that time where all our friends and family went to the store to buy canned goods and stockpile food and everything right. ahead of the election because everyone was worried that it was going to be this huge civil war, right? And it was funny because I remember very clearly the election lines, everyone, in, specifically in the townships, all the queues of people voting. And the day of voting came, everyone voted peacefully, and the next day we woke up. And life carried on. When it comes to, you know, truth and reconciliation, and this is something that I know Victoria is moving forward with, especially with our Indigenous people, Mm -hmm. what role do you see that playing in moving the issue of of equal rights in Australia forward when it comes to non-heteronormative people? It's so funny as being a leader um, of an organisation, I mean, 45 years this year and Literally three weeks ago, Mardi Gras launched our first ever reconciliation action plan um, for that specific reason. There is a broader spectrum in our community of intersectionality of not only being, you know, of the LGBTQIA plus SB community, but also of color, you know. And so for them, it could it's a double ceiling, right? So um, we absolutely think that there is a role to play for Mardi Gras to support specifically, of course, our community members of color and how we can support them, not only, you know, in terms of trying to work out how we can support them to get further along, but also how can we work with skills development and, you know, that those kind of things, grants and bursaries and those kind of things where we can really start assisting with correcting the wrongs because they're also very, you know, isolated in, in many instances. And if anyone has a look at the Sydney World Pride um, Festival, they'll see that we have our first ever First Nations gathering space, which was 100% World Pride's initiative. I mean, it's three days at Carriage Works of 100% only First Nations um, programming, programmed by First Nations people, for First Nations people, yawning circles, sacred spaces where only First Nations people can go. 
it starts at home, right? And we also saw Kate Wicket speaks about this quite often. She goes when they were, you know, traveling the world in the previous in the build up to the bid phase and um, the build up to actually, you know, presenting our bid to the Enterprise members who vote for World Pride license to be awarded to a country. You know, it was very, very apparent that people didn't know very much about Australia, but even less so of our First Nations culture. And so being the oldest, you know, one of the oldest um, cultures in the world, that is a huge responsibility for the people of this land to pay respects to our history. Because, I mean, you know, if I, always, I always say, if I don't know who or where I come from, how do I know where I want to go? You know, it's a sense of identity that people have just wiped the slate clean of and just want to, you know, um, move forward without really understanding what, what's your foundations and, you know, heritage and where do you come from and who's your family and, you know, all these kind of things. So there is a huge responsibility of not only a government, but also of, of corporates and all community organizations to pay respect to that history, embrace it, and, you know, weave that into the future because I think it's a very di – diversity is one of the biggest things that we can be so proud of here in Australia. It's it's wonderful, diverse community that, you know, we see with diverse workforces, for example, is way more productive. Um, you know, the challenge, the, 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 the thought patterns, the change of thought that you have, um, different points of view, it really does give you a great result at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's not this uh, – you know, I guess early on it was – as Australia kind of struggled with its identity of not just white immigrants, you know, as then it became, you know, post-World War II, Italian, Greek, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, Vietnam War happens and then now we start, you know, and then Malcolm, Malcolm Fraser lets, you know, it's just astounding, you know, how our country, you know, came to be. It's, it's not just a quota. We're not ticking a box. We're not trying to make someone from a lefty newspaper feel good. Yeah. It's, if you are uh, alienating parts of a community and saying no, you don't belong, mm. you are ultimately, ultimately, you're causing far more trouble and far more damage. Yeah, because those, you know, that alienation is going to come back. It's going to act out. And and th that's where the similarities come in the sense that we're doing it because it's the right thing to do, not because it's expected of us. You know, and and that's one thing that I must say more broadly in Australia that we see is it just boils back down to that Australian culture and uh, the, you know, the absolute love for the country that we do what is right. Um, yeah. We always fondly say that, you know, the bad behavior we walk by, we accept. I mean, there was, yeah. uh, I know that there's, it's a very well-known quote and that's something that we've adopted, you know, here in Mardi Gras and World Park. If we stand for this ourselves, then, you know, we're accepting it and that's just not the right thing to do. It's just not, Australia. Well, you know, it isn't. And yeah. part of me thinks like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the kernel of this, Albert, just understanding that recognising another person's humanity and, and right to exist and happiness doesn't take away your right to exist, nor your mm. happiness, nor your access to things. That's 100% right. And, and you know, that's, that's the ethos of Mardi Gras really, isn't it? It's li live and let live. We get questions so much, you know, is Mardi Gras all about, you know, frocking up and painting your fingernails or, you know, is that representative of the community? And it's, no, Mardi Gras is a time where people can express themselves, be who they want to be without any judgment. 
and for those mm-hmm. who express themselves by not wanting to do anything at all. It's a free time for, you know, be free and be, be happy. You know, that's really what we, what we'd love to just try and get across. <laughs> <laughs> and, and unfortunately the stakes are, the stakes are quite high as, as, as we mentioned, you know, unfortunately the risk of violence, the risk of self-harm, mm. uh, like access to services, access to employment opportunities, access to being considered an Australian of equal worth. Mm. There's, there's work to be done. Oh, there's work to be done. You know, I read a, um, a very interesting report the other day from the Diversity Council, and they found from their surveying that only 33% of our LGBTQIA community are comfortable being themselves in the workplace. 33%. That's, that's what we're sitting in with the, one of the biggest pride organizations in the world happening every year, supported by, as we can see, everyone, people are still scared yeah. and they're still afraid. And there's so many people still in the closet. I mean, and as I said, and mentioned before, you know, the bisexual community is specifically the one that is now finally starting to be comfortable saying, Hey, I'm okay with being bisexual you know in the early years people are like oh yeah bisexual is just a pit step on the way to being gay and this is the kind of stigmas that we have to all leave in the past where it belongs it's everything's on a spectrum though everything's on a spectrum it's never always night and it's never always day Mm. it's kind of on the way from one to the other at all times you're never all the way asleep and you're never all the way awake that's true human sexuality shows up in this kind of really quite in some people like a very clear answer mm. and hooray for other people other people it's a we don't actually know yeah and and there was there was a, a person in my life who they didn't know mm. and it caused them a great amount of distress yeah because they kept trying this or that or mm. them and it didn't nothing was bringing this person what they yearned for which mm. was to be loved in a way that was meaningful to them mm. now to put yourself in their shoes like how would you feel if you couldn't find the thing that made you feel loved and the feel that everyone around you was getting mm. like come on yeah very true that's 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 hard you know and and, uh, and it was so funny because if you think about oxford street and all the amounts of venues that have closed and Oh. Uh, you know, if you think about the spaces, I mean, it's more broadly talking about the sense of space, the sense of home, the sense of yeah. safety for someone to go and find people in general. The bottom line really with this is, you know, we are moving into a phase where gender fluidity is becoming the norm and being able to be who you are is the norm for sure. Not too long ago, maybe about a month and a half ago, two months ago, I was, I was riding a motorbike down Oxford Street on a Monday morning and I, it was like 9.30 and I felt sad. I felt real sad because Georgia's, she's never going to know what it's like to roll down Oxford Street on Monday and still people see people still out, you yeah, know, yeah. having the best time ever, yep. you know, never just be able to move from this pub to that bar to move around and around. And it made me sad. But then today I was riding home from Camperdown, you know, back east, scooting through the back ends of Alexandria and I was like, ah, oh, this just kind of moved around a bit. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. New, new town is definitely the new hotspot. <laughs> but in saying that, though, there aren't overtly gay venues. It's just a bustling, mm. fun area, right? And that's that's yeah. the difference. 
It's not overtly yeah. gay venues. And we've seen, for example, I've heard so many times people going, oh, the Imperial is so straight now. And I'm going, well, isn't that a good thing that everyone can go everywhere? Like, that should be yeah. great. That should be wonderful. Um, yeah. But yeah, Oxford Street is, I mean, City of City is working really hard with the rejuvenation of the buildings that are being redeveloped. Um, you know, and we're working closely with them on it, of course, because we want to support the businesses. Um, in the festival this year, we have Pride Villages. So we're closing Riley Street and Crown Street for nine days and Oxford yeah. Street for two days after the parade yeah. the next weekend. So, you know, we're working co closely with community business owners, etc., to just inject it back to what it was before. But it is, it's a new norm. Don't expect that it's going to be like the old days. It's going to be a new something and we should all embrace the new something. I know, and maybe I'm just, you know, reminiscing and, you know, but to be able to go out on a Wednesday night and see a drag show at midnight at the Albury was fucking awesome, dude. Like, you can still do that at Universal on Oxford Street. I, yes, I, you are correct. I can, I can. But, like, that thing's now in Radiology Centre or yeah. something. But that, you know. I mean, the same happened with, I mean, the entertainment quarter where we used to have parties for 20,000 people. You know, the Dome is now Medical Suites, the RHI is now Swan's head office, and the venues keep falling over and over. I mean, this year, it was so funny. We booked the EQ, you know, everything was good and well, and everything was fantastic. And then we went for a site visit, and it was like, oh, the coach bear we've been going to put a tent up is now a basketball court. Now we have to remove fencing and remove everything else out so that we can still have a basketball there. So it is collapsing around us for sure. But it, like I say, it's something new. I, it's actually my... Uh the doctor that really I've been through a bunch of shit lately with some surgery and the doctor that really helped me get where I am now works in that dome right there. Yeah. And that waiting room where I sit there in that waiting room, waiting to go see him is where I kiss the cowboy. <laughs> so every time I sit there, I'm like, here we are. <laughs> Look, I must say that story uh, definitely gives me a lot of joy. Oh yeah. <laughs> this oh, big, yeah. big, big muscular mustache, hairy cowboy. He was big. <laughs> And you know what's hilarious? The, the toilets of that place are still the toilets. So you walk in there and there's that massive trough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't need to go any further, yeah. but I'm like, yeah. here it was. It was right here. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. It it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a glorious, glorious thing. And I, I, honestly, I can't, you know, to put it on a vent of this magnitude, to, to deal with the amount of moving parts is astounding. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've got an amazing team behind you. And, you know, it's it's just so, so, so important. 300,000 kids get born in Australia every year. Mm. Mm. Uh, what's what's the, you'd know the stats more than I. Of that 300,000, how many are, are kind of going to be non-heteronormative? What do you reckon? 10%. Yeah, there you go. 30,000 babies born this year. Yeah. 30,000. Little, beautiful, innocent baby. Let me tell you, it's so funny. Is my sister lives in, in Melbourne and uh, has a five-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And the little, little boy, so cute, running around. And I was visiting them a few months ago. And I was looking at my nephew and I was like, he's wearing a dress. <laughs> and I said, I said to my sister, is, you know, what's the go here? Because I was really interested to see how she was going to deal with it. And she's like, no, he likes his frozen dress, so he wears it when he wants to. I was like, that yeah. is the best news you could have said to me because if you said anything different, yeah. I probably yeah. would have given you a talking to. And she was just like, well, you know, if he wants to wear a dress, yeah. let him wear a dress. If he wants to play with a Barbie, let him play with a Barbie. Like, 
you know, far be it from us to tell him what he can and can't wear. And he oh. has actually worn this frozen dress to preschool. And they're just like, well, if he wants to do it, let him do it. Dude, it's, it's, who wouldn't want to be Elsa? It's fucking, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, the blonde locks is very similar to yours. It's pretty good. Well, they are now. Um, and like similarly, like Wolf's, Wolf is three and over summertime, he, he doesn't give two shits that Uncle Martin and Uncle Ian are here. Yeah. He's, they're, they're together and that he that's who they are. Yeah. He doesn't care. No. It's the projection that we put upon Correct. them that changes 100%. everything. And, and that's all it is, it's, man. That's it's, expectation. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that I really respect from my sister. And I, get, I, I wonder, you know, I always wonder, have I had a role to play with it? But it's like that expectation of like boys don't cry, boys play with cars, you have to play with action figures, you know, that expectation of what, you know, our heteronormative, you know, parents and forefathers always had no. us. And I'm really interested to see how this goes moving forward for people to just be comfortable who they are in their skin yeah. from a younger age, what exciting things lie ahead for society for us to just be able to do and be who we are and not have to, because I always say it takes incredible amounts of pressure, incredible yeah. amounts of energy and focus to be in the closet, right? It's like living a double life. Oh All the lives you have to keep up with and stay alive. Just to stay alive, avoid violence. Like, mm. if I could deal with your doctor yeah. who's trying to tell you you're, you're broken. Yeah. Yes. My God. The energy. Oh, man. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this show at the moment and I'm trying to find people to help me write it. And I, everyone I talk to is like, I, I need to find people who aren't white guys in their 20s because mm. i only look at the world through my eyes mm. i don't know what i'm not seeing yeah you know and so you mentioned diversity of ideas in the workplace these kids who you were talking about now what kind of things are they going to be able to see that have been mm. blind by mm. society until now because of the lens that we've been viewing the world through your lens and my lens albert no matter how mm. awake we think we are that's exciting stuff it is it is. And their expectation on the world is so different. Hey, their expectation is just what they see and what they expect from the world is just sometimes I think, to, you know, obviously our forefather, our parents and our grandparents always be like, when I was your age, you know, everyone always says when I was your age. And then to a certain degree, you wonder, but maybe, you know, maybe we, we could learn something from these youngsters. They could teach us something and see something that we never saw before. It's, it's wonderful. It's super exciting. Um, I can't wait to be, you know, going out with my, my nephew when he's 18 years old and see what comes out from it. It'll be, it'll be good to see. I know it. Yeah. It'll be fun. <laughs> As an uncle, I think you can get away with that. Uh, you're amazing. Albert. You're a very busy man. Thank you so much for all your time Thank today. You. Um, I'm so grateful to you, buddy. That was Albert Kruger. I hope you learned something or maybe even maybe feel a, diff- a little bit different, not all the way different. I'm sure you're awesome. I thought I was awesome. I certainly learned a thing or two during that conversation. I certainly feel different about it. A few couple of things than I did before. I chatted with Albert, and I'm grateful for that. I like to learn stuff doing this show. That's why I started the damn thing. Happy Mardi Gras. It really is the most wonderful organization. It's so wonderful, and it's a true beacon for so many people. And honestly, to you, big, beardy, berry, cowboy man, wherever you are, happy Mardi Gras to you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Come see some gigs. On the Friday shows that I'm doing right now, I'm just putting like two or three little stories. The live shows are an hour long. 
but on Fridays I'd like to keep it a shorter podcast so it's only on 20 minutes or so but I'll put a bit more up this Friday so you can get a vibe as to how you can maybe send it to a friend and say this is the show I want you to come see in Sydney or Melbourne come come check it out tickets are in the show notes so is the mailing list get on that I'll see you soon thanks for listening hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.